Hey folks, just a reminder that the Liquorland podcast is now available on Stitcher. You can download the app, you can download us, you can share us, you can have us on the go, you can rate and review us, you can link us to your friends. That's the Liquorland podcast, now available on Stitcher. Get the app. All right, let's do this. I really need this to work, please. It's time for the Liquorland podcast with Joe Joe Lewis. Folks, welcome to the Liquor Lamp Podcast with JoJo Lewis. I am JoJo Lewis. Welcome to the Liquor Lamp Podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the Liquor Lamp Podcast. This is episode 27. If you're getting this, if you're hearing this, you probably got it late. It didn't get released on Friday during the day like I normally do. That was because it took some really last minute sort of uh, work to get it up, up and running to the, the caliber I wanted it. He, uh, this episode is special to me. Because I've been doing the Liquor Lamp podcast for about six months now. And uh, honestly, it's been an undertaking that I didn't expect it to be. Uh, I hear people say things like, uh, I should start a podcast. I should go do a podcast. And I think that's great. Um, Sometimes people ask me what kind of equipment I use, things of that nature. And the reality is... uh, The one thing that no one really thinks about having to conjure for this type of a project is the time involved. Um, And that really is the hardest part. I have the process of doing the liquor lamp down almost to a science. Like I can do, I, you know, the hardest part of any episode, honestly, is logistics. Getting people to my house or going to their house with my equipment to record. That's really the hard part. Uh... Getting equipment, easy. Figuring out how it works, easy. Um, but the hard part really is the time commitment of having to do it every single week, regardless of anything else. Like, these past two weeks have been more or less kind of iffy just because, uh, you know, it's been the holidays. It's been harder to get people. haven't been out as much. Um, but that's just because it's the holidays and I have episodes backlogged in order to account for that. So even when there are, you know, I'm not meeting somebody, I'm still doing episodes. I'm still doing work on it. I don't get time off. Um, because a podcast, or really any kind of a personal project in this way, uh, requires a commitment from you uh, that goes beyond simply, are you talented enough to talk in front of people or talk on a microphone for a great deal of time? Are you smart enough to figure out how to use the equipment? Truthfully, there's really not that complicated. Like the complexity of the equipment is very minimal. You can do a podcast that sounds great uh, with little more than an iPhone. And I'm serious when I say that. Like an iPhone carefully placed could actually function as great podcasting equipment if you're smart on how to place it. Um, maybe that's an exaggeration, but truthfully doing a podcast, not that difficult. And today's episode kind of taught me something about the kind of podcast that I do and why it's, it's easy. I'm not saying that interviews are easy or that they come easy to everybody. I am saying that I have an easy time interviewing people. It's not something that I shy away from. I've actually gotten pretty good at coaxing things out of people. I know how to keep a conversation rolling. Um, People have told me that it's good, my ability to interview. I don't know if I believe that. But I do know that I've never had, you know, you can't really have dead air on a podcast, but I never have dead air on my podcast. So that's a good sign to me. Um, But today's episode, half a year, I spent the day and really the week leading up kind of going over everything I have. For those of you who've been keeping up with the liquor lamp, or maybe this is the first episode you've heard, I don't know why it would be. Um, I've done six months worth, about 26 episodes at this point. Over a day of your life could be spent listening to the liquor lamp podcast from start to finish, just me talking to folks. That's kind of a weird achievement. Uh, because it's very rare that I do something for longer than, you know, a couple months, maybe, uh, that I actually put in real commitment that, that, you know, has a product at the end of it, the product being this podcast. So I wanted to spend today, this week's episode, just looking back at what 
I've kind of collected. The things that are really interesting to me as the creator of this show. Um, and if you like the things that you hear, uh, they're all taken from episodes spewed uh, throughout the, the many weeks of the Liquor Lamp. Um, and they're kind of organized into interesting sections. This first section I'm going to play for you guys. Uh, one of the main things we talk about on this podcast, and just to be clear, the Liquor Lamp podcast is primarily a, a podcast for comics. Uh, specifically comedians in the local Sacramento scene or the Northern California scene, I guess if you want to demarcate it that way. Uh, it didn't It didn't start out specifically that way, but that's what it became. And uh, talking with comics at this level is somewhat interesting because we end up talking about comedy in ways that I think, you know, honestly, pros probably talk about in a similar way, despite our you know, our newness, our relative newness, uh, to the process. Uh, in this first section, it's spliced with, uh, parts from talking to Jamie Fernandez, Idris, uh, Mike Sella, I believe Diana Hong and, uh, Mike Patton and a couple other people as well. And it's a very, you know, these are some things I actually come back to, some things that were said that I come back to in regards to the creation of jokes and the struggle of doing jokes uh, and figuring out what material works and what material doesn't. So let's kind of listen to that. Uh, ch check this out. Like, as a... As a woman who has happens to do comedy, do you feel like there's a pressure on you to that you have to make the audience laugh by whatever means necessary? Or do you feel like I don't need them to laugh? I just need to do the thing that I do. I mean, I would. I that's what they. I had. I got this same question. Like, I don't. I want to have good sets. Like, I want to have good sets, especially at shows that are like paid or something Absolutely. or that I'm going to or meet people or it might lead to other shows. So it's like, ultimately what I'm trying to do is have good sets. And it's like, if that's going to give me a good set, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll whore it out a little bit. Like I'll whore, I'll sell my soul a little bit like that. Maybe I don't want to talk about that tonight, but it's like, I am going to do that like to get the laughs and have a good set. Right. Most of the time, like if I'm doing new stuff on stage, like at Luna's or whatever, the rare occasion that I do new stuff, like it's always genuine like, it's always genuine and sincere and something that I want to talk about. Like, I just, I want to have good sets. Like, I just, I hate bombing. And sometimes, like, when I talk about different kind of stuff, like, that it just, people don't respond as much. But I think it's part of being a new comic and, like, just kind of finding your voice a little bit. Right. And finding, like, a good balance of... You know, stuff that's your tried and true material that you can always do. And then finding your voice a little bit more and like playing around. And so I don't know, you know, I just, I, my, my philosophy with comedy from the beginning and it's still this now is that I just want to do stuff that I think is funny right. and that is sincere. That I've talked to some new people about it. Like, Hey, are you trying to get a joke better? Or are you trying to remember a joke better? Or are you trying to, be funny uh-huh and um when we have the same people in front of us half the time like half the people are the same it's kind of stupid to do it the same same jokes you got to do something new because these people are going to laugh again at the same joke it's going to lose its lust yeah yeah so I, I don't know i don't know i think it it has to do with sometimes it's just someone trying to do jokes to remember them because i know like at least four weeks after doing a joke and i haven't said it for like three weeks i don't remember the joke well yeah were. but i mean that's that's why i record my shit like yeah. i have a like if a joke does well i have a recording of how it went i record every show for that reason yeah but also it's like um it, to me it speaks to a misunderstanding of how of how art works not so much just comedy, but like the way that the way that the process of being an artist works. So, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing: when I was in uh, when I was in school, there would be this thing where you would have people who would write a story, yeah, and they would keep working on that one story for yeah. years, yeah. And what was frustrating was it's like, look, I mean, 
if like if you're still working on this and you don't know how to make it better or you don't know how to improve it or you don't know what to change, the fact that you keep working on it is a problem now. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, there you only have so much ability that when you create something, there's only so much you can really do to bring it up to your your what what par is for you. Yeah. And at that point, you can't work on it anymore. You have to put it away. And that's why like um and that's why you basically you should like try to always do I've been told like you always need to be making new mistakes. That's the one thing that I really remember was like yeah. if you're doing art, you should always be trying to make a new mistake. See, this is where I have the conflict, but now I think I resolved it in my head because I agree <laughs> I agree more with you with this because you know, I don't do a lot of the same jokes after about a month. I don't think Right. So, I don't really do do jokes over and over again, but the issue I normally have is when I watch like a, a YouTube of a, a Seinfeld who's been doing the jokes for a year, right? And that he's a di- way different class, but he's of that mindset to do a joke that long. Yeah. But I think the difference of it is is that he does a subject that long. He doesn't do just a joke that long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll like focus on a Pop-Tart joke for six years, but it's because he's trying to make it better. Like working on it to the point that it's small, and it's not like he's just doing that joke too. He's yeah, just no, doing like all he, sorts of other jokes. Yeah, he, coming like back the to idea, it. the subject matter. It's like I'm gonna do all these bits on pop tarts. Yeah, but they're all different bits. Yeah, but they all come from the same subject. Yeah, see, I don't. Like, that's what I think is interesting. Like when you do stuff like that, because you can, because subjects are are broad. It's yeah. like oh, relationships or dogs and shit like that. Yeah, um, and it's fine if you're gonna like you can't the subjects that you're interested in. You can't really just ditch those. Yeah, because that's more like. Well, who are you? Right. But I mean, to do the same bit in the same way, yeah, for mo- for months or years, even yeah. that is a that to me is like you were. I couldn't imagine you caring about that. Yeah, because at some point you're saying it over again, and you're on stage, and then you're probably going on autopilot. Like you're thinking yeah. about maybe doing the line next week while you're talking about. Like Jefferson or something, you know. Like it's 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 not even present to you anymore. So what's the yeah. point of even being up there? Yeah, and it's like, well, if you're, I can only imagine you get enjoyment from that for so long. Yeah, it's and just the same bit over and over. And I think what you were saying was, um, well, that you that focusing on one bit that long, at, or just a story that long, and in, in your example, and you um, at some point starting to not help at all. Yeah, and I think really that you have to leave it alone because i know with old jokes you can come back to them and yeah you find yeah. a new way to say them and maybe the same the same words but just saying them differently yeah because you have you have experience not just of the performative aspect yeah. but also just of the fact that hey if you've done more jokes different jokes if you've written more then that actually gives you a better understanding of what you have before so you're like i have bits that i now even it's only been doing it a year, but I now have bits that are at the start where oh, I can take that piece that I had that sort of worked and put it somewhere new yeah. that works better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that that's kind of like that's kind of the way I think you should be work not just at this, but any type of artistic medium. What I see happening is the opposite. What I see happening is there are comics who will do like the same five, yeah, over and over. The exact again. order too. Yeah, exact order and same anyway. order and the the same way. They have the same they have the same pauses, the same breaks. They have crowd work in the same way. Yeah, they they go um and like it's totally rehearsed, and it bothers me a little bit that like well, why aren't I mean yeah it's a well made piece but then why do you keep doing it if you're doing yeah. it just to learn to do it you don't need an audience for that you don't need to take up. You don't need to take up our time yeah, to do yeah. that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. And people are there that seen it before. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's stupid. I yeah. think it's stupid. And I'll, I think it's a waste of time, and I think it's a waste of their time, and it's also a waste of their energy because they could probably be using all that focus on new things. That'll probably make them happier to say it. Yeah. You'll go up there, you'll enjoy saying it because it's something new, and then you get a new response. And now you know that, okay, maybe that doesn't work, but now I can... I'm pretty sure that even week to week that what we're thinking about is different. Yeah. So to even say the same things you were saying five months ago, that's not... I don't really do it intentionally. I think I'm just not at the point yet where I'm comfortable talking about personal stuff, that's all. Okay. Uh...
Not that I'm not comfortable. Like, every time I kind of try to do something, like, I'm not willing in my own mind to, like, go that far with it. And so it's just, like, its own mental block. Is it, like, a is it like a fear thing, or is it more like, I don't oh, even won't be good. think it's that. It's just, like, right now... Maybe it's, like, I, I don't want to do the mental exercise of, like, how did that feel, and, like, what was I thinking, and, um, you know, when certain things that I could talk about in my life, you know. I did briefly a bit about, like, uh, a breakup, and I did a bit, like, um, yeah, I can't remember. That may, that might have been the only one, actually. <laughs> it might be the only, the um, only thing. Yeah, okay. but it just, uh, and that, 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 maybe, it, like, that may just be the style I'm, because I'm, I'm going towards. Like, there's a lot of comics that, you know, they just... They don't do that stuff, like, I mean, and, you know, like, not that it wouldn't be a comparison, but, like, Dan Mintz or Mitch Hedberg or those, they're, like, joke jokes, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't, like, that doesn't demean their great jokes, but, like, they they never talk about themselves. They're, like, here's a silly thing, and now here's another silly thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Even Stephen Wright, I mean, I guess I brought up mostly one-liner types, but that seems to be the type of comic that does, like, do impersonal stuff, but... Is that where you kind of see yourself as? In- no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just like, like I said, I'm just not there yet. I want to get there, you know? Like, I, I have a bunch of, of writing that I've done that's just, like, about stuff that's happened in my life. And I actually feel like there's humor in it or even I might have already written, like, semi-funny stuff to me anyway that I haven't tried it on mic. But I just, like, not, I don't want to do it yet, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, just, like, I feel like, though, if I can knock down that door, because the first year and change that I've been doing comedy is just, like, have has been about getting comfortable on stage yet. It's taken me way longer than, for, like, you just hopped on a stage and seemed pretty comfortable right off the bat. <laughs> and that's cool. Really? And I'm sure you have, like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, like, in your head you, you don't feel 100% comfortable, but you appear that way. Hmm. But for me, like, six months of it was just, like, learning to not stare at the ground. Okay. You know? And, and that's just like, I don't know, that is like, that was a fear thing, you know, just like, uh, fear of public speaking or fear of, you know, what people are going to think of you. Just the pressure of having eyes on you. Yeah. Luckily yeah. at like first, like when I first started that came across as endearing. And then as soon as like, it wasn't, I wasn't just doing open mics. Then it was like, well, how about you like learn to get your shit together and perform, you know? Huh. Because I like, I love doing stand up for the fact that I hate getting attention. Like, I'll never try and be the center of attention, but stand up is a way to talk to people in a controlled conversation, a very one sided conversation for the most part, unless you get a heckler. And uh, I mean, like, when you work on your jokes, you know where the laughs are coming from. So it's like, I know what to expect when I'm on stage. But if I'm talking to somebody, off stage, it's like I don't know where the conversation's gonna go, oh. and I don't like thinking about that. <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm such a socially awkward person until I, it takes me. A- I think that's some sort of part of the comic brain of like I'm. No matter how, no matter how much success or anything you get, you always feel garbage. Like. No oh, matter yeah. what. And then everybody, no matter what anybody else thinks of you, someone could go and be like, I think you're the funniest comic who has ever lived. And you're like, you're fucking wrong. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> or they're even like, you're funny. And I'm like, no, I think you're wrong. Yeah, I disagree. Like, I've, I've noticed this. Like, the more you, if you have a recording, even, yeah, if yeah. You, if, even if you did well, the more you listen to it, the more it will sound like you bombed. Dude, oh, hell yeah. Like, I can't. You ever, you ever like, record a set where you're like, dude, that was... That was solid. Everyone was on board. It was laughs. You listen to it, and you're like, oh my god. It's like, well, they didn't laugh as hard at that exactly. part. Exactly. Like, I and then felt like, that they liked me so much. It's like, was why did I think there. I did good there? Oh, I was watching someone smile. So actually, that part sucked too. And then by the end, you're like, I can't ever listen to this. Exactly. This god. is garbage. I hate listening to myself. I record every set, but I fucking hate it. On Keith saying about this too, like the the self-deprecating stuff and like the sad stuff and like the oh, dating and boys and like oh, I'm not hot like all that stuff that I do like I don't 
want to do that. Like, I've just cherry-picked things that have worked in the past or at shows and then sort of have ended up with this set of a lot of, like, sad, self-deprecating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, not because necessarily that's who, who I am, although it, it all is sincere and it all is me, um, but it sucks that that is, like, all... Like, now in the set that I'm doing, that I've been, like doing lately like that's all it is like that's all i talk about i don't want it to be like that that's just how it ended up because that is the stuff that's worked like (laughs) and that's all it is and it's like i can't be like well i want to talk about you know dogs today if that's not going to make people laugh and and it is different being a female comic i do think people respond to that stuff more talking about like dating or boys or self-deprecating stuff like it that I didn't set it I didn't set out to do that. Like that is just the stuff that's worked. No like you, you see the greats and you know that's where you're supposed to them at their like kind of prime. Right. Like they but that took years and years to Oh, absolutely. So like yeah, I think I can see like how it would be intimidating in the beginning. Like I wanted to I don't know how like I don't like you kind of put yourself down like I I'm not smart enough I'm not but it, that's with practice yeah like it's a thing like I, I get really frustrated because like I forget that I spent I went I, I left golf like I, I played like shit towards the end of my career but I was I got really good and for some like I always thought like golf came natural no that was like 12 13 years of fucking work yeah and then all of a yeah. sudden I'm like doing stand up I'm like why like this is taking a long time well no <laughs> shit Sherlock like I forget like because I'm, I'm very Fresh Five, a while ago, and you did a a really long story about having sex with dead people. Yeah. And that, you were the first one to go up at the Fresh Five. Like, you were the first one. And I was, I remember watching and be like, well, everybody else sucks tonight, no matter what they say. (laughs) And it was like, Jason Violation is one of my good friends, like Mike Sella, who's like one of my worst enemies. And like, um... And I'm watching it, and I'm like, Joe, that was, like, the first time I watched you, and it was really good. Like, and I'd seen you before, but, like, that was the time. And then I think I've told you, like, a hundred times since then. I was like, you're one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because it makes you genuinely make me laugh when I watch you. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that set. I remember having panic attacks about that set before I did it. The Fresh Five? Yeah, that That, one. It's nerve-wracking, right? Yeah. Well, not just that, the Fresh Five, but I knew, like, (laughs) I was working out my set list that day, and I was like, what what new things I'm going to say, and the only thing, I was like... I'm going to do that thing about the dead bodies. (laughs) And I had this voice in my head that was like, that is going to go so poorly. It didn't. (laughs) It went really well. I've only done that two other times. I get so freaked out. I tell people about that joke. (laughs) Like, that's my joke I bring up about you. They're like, yeah, George was really good. I was like, dude, he had this bit about having sex with dead people. (laughs) You gotta hear it, and I've never heard you do it since. Like, that was the only time. I only do that. I seri- there are some bits I only really do when I'm. That was interesting, wasn't it? It was to me. I listen to those parts uh, every so often to kind of keep in touch with what I'm doing. But here's another thing that that I've kind of come to see as a real part of this podcast is uh, stand-up comics are philosophical we think about life and we think about comedy in relationship to it and how they really interplay um so this next section i'm talking really about that uh these are some tidbits from the episodes with uh, john ross johnny taylor a couple others uh about the way that we approach comedy and the kind of the way we understand it and the one thing you can really coax out of this is uh, there, there does seem to be a sense of futility or difficulty in doing comedy or really any type of personal project. Uh, but those are things that you just have to learn to deal with. And eventually, hopefully, if you keep working and doing stuff for yourself, maybe it'll pay off. Maybe not. Um, but you can't stop. You have to keep at it. So pay careful attention to this part. I think you might dig it. And maybe if you listen to it and extrapolate it to your own life, mayhap you'll have some inspiration to 
keep going with whatever it is you're doing. Check it. I haven't learned to like push that stuff aside, uh-huh. you know, and instead I'll just like let it, you know, cancel a few mics for me or like push off right for a few days. And then before you know it, you're like 42, you know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah. But that, so when you say that, like, yeah, that's, that's what I think is like, I just, you know. but some people just have like a lot of natural talent. So maybe they don't need as much. No, I feel like I need to work at it. Though. Okay. So yeah. You feel so you okay? So you so if I'm if I'm hearing what you're saying right, is you feel like personally like you you're not that rambling. You're yeah. not doing you're not doing as much as you could do, or as much as you feel like maybe would be the right amount for you as yeah. I mean, in a way, where we could all do more, right? But like, yeah, I feel like realistically though, looking at it, like I could be going to Mike's probably like I could probably have like three times as much stage time if not more in any week yeah if i was really like you use the word dedicated if i was really dedicated to it and i could probably do like five or six times the amount of actual writing that like i do now you know just like with the amount of like thoughts i have if every like 40 of them are dumb and there's one good one but if i just wrote those 40 things down and spent even 20 minutes a night just finding that one or two yeah that's that's the lot the realistic math of probably where yeah <laughs> where it is and then yeah that's just yeah that's just this, the I guess the cut and dry of it. I don't know how to put it, but like <laughs> I'm really at the point of like okay, ten years in, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Yeah. Um, partially because some of the choices I made in life, uh, you know, having kids and now I'm divorced. And so that kind of like uh, puts a certain, uh, it makes it a little bit tougher to really go for it fully. Yeah. Um, not blaming them or whatever. I'm just saying the decisions that, and, but also being in Sacramento for 10 years, you know what I mean? Like, and getting into the, getting to the Bay and I've done a little bit of stuff, but you know, 10 years is is way too long to spend in Sacramento and be king of the beach in Sacramento. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to be, like, uh, the big fish, small pond thing. Yeah, yeah. Here. It, but it sucks because I live here, and so people will, conf- they'll, I've been questioned about it. It's like, why don't you leave Sacramento? You just like being, like, whatever you know, like looked up to or something. I'm like, no, cause I don't, I fucking, I can't leave, you know, or at this point, right. You know, um, there's more, well, yeah. Cause I think that's the thing to remember. It's like, yeah. I mean, you're, you do com, but you're a person who does right. comedy. You're yeah. not like, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the sum total of who you are. Right. Yeah. Like you'll lead off with that, but you gotta be a dad and you gotta yeah. be, and you gotta be someone who, ruined a chick's life with a divorce and you gotta <laughs> you gotta be the guy in an apartment with no three prong outlets full of gnats yes, you have to be yeah, all those different right. you gotta wear a lot of hats I do a lot of to be a, a person of, like yeah. you can't like although I do you know like I, I'm always resentful of people that will or at least the statements not of the people but resentful of people being like oh oh so you do a hobby and I'm like fuck you no no I am a comic yeah you know what I mean like um, am I a businessman? No. Like, you know, like, am I a good businessman at doing comedy? No, but for the little time that I have to do it, or the little, I feel like I put just as much energy into it if I did have all the time. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully if I was single and didn't, you know, have the responsibilities I have, hopefully I would have developed some different work ethic. But I feel like I'm always busy. I'm always thinking about comedy. Um, I'm not always thinking about what's my end goal. Oh yeah. But part of it is just like, I want to do what I want to do and it makes me happy. So I'm just going to keep doing it even if it doesn't lead to me getting a sitcom or, or, or getting on comedy central or, you know, just, I mean, it'd be great, but, but it's not like, that's not, that's not a measurement of of what your success can be. Cause I actually have thought a lot of, I've thought about Mm -hmm. that, like Mm -hmm. the sitcom thing or. That kind of stuff, and I realized really early that 
we don't live in a world where that's the way it works anymore. Right. Like, it kind of does still, and there are still people who follow what was deemed, like, the traditional model. Like, I think Patton Oswalt, he gave, like, this really nice letter to to comics and to uh, the The industry industry, people. And he basically, what he said was... The way he sees it, the the world isn't like that anymore. Yeah. Like if you if we wanted to make a show like seriously, mm-hmm. it really isn't that hard. Yeah. <laughs> like we can props we can get from a Goodwill, mm-hmm. and then he's like, we have cell phones that technically have more powered. I think what he said was, we have more power in our cell phones than like the greatest directors for a hundred years had. Right. Yeah. And there's no reason not to do it except we don't think we can or that we have the ability or yeah like I agree with everything he said in that thing um it's hard to dig deep to say I want to go do some shit like that it's a lot of work (laughs) I mean and I get it and like I I am in no stance to like uh criticize Patton Oswalt but that's a really easy thing to say for a guy that's in movies yeah and TV yeah or that's already been done you know what I mean yeah 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 like yeah the whole point is to what? Just to duplicate yourself over and over and over to the masses, right? Like, that's really boiled down. What? Well, if I have to work a job, just a day job. Yeah. That cuts into that. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Where, um, you know, guys like, let's say, I don't, I don't know, let's Smosh, for instance. Okay. You know, like, uh, you know, those guys do that full time. Uh-huh. What I understand and probably haven't always done it full time. But I think they started in their teenage years when, you know, maybe mom and dad were footing the bill for. Like so where yeah, they lived and what I they could ate. run yeah, a, yeah. or I could put. I'm not saying I, there's got to be some formula to the success. I'm not saying just because you do it, it will get big. But um, yeah, I could probably have a semi-popular web show if I didn't do anything else. If you're good, if you're a good stand-up, the only difference between you and somebody that's on TV or has a special app is opportunity. Yeah. You know? Like, at some point, that guy got a good audition, and he passed that audition because he's a good comic. It's, at some point, like, there was someone in the crowd who was like, oh, I'll see that guy. Exactly. But it was always like, he was, he was just as good before for who knows how long until yeah. maybe someone was... Well, it's like this with this record. Uh... People were like, how'd you get a record, though? Yeah. I'm like, well, I got an opportunity, and then I did well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, would I have an, a record, deal if I didn't ever have an opportunity? Of course not. You yeah. Know? I just would have been knocking on people's doors and being like, hey, I got this record. You know? It's, uh, you're not going to have a chance. Because when you think about it, it was like, you when you sent the record out in the first place, it was like, if if he had like when you think about it, like if he hadn't come to do I Keith's been fucked, thing, dude. yeah, it wouldn't have no. I would have released happened. it on fucking Bill's Basement Records out of West Sac, you know. And, yeah, and had shitty cover art with fucking twenty copies, you know. <laughs> so like, and he'd still be like it debuted at four hundred and eighty-seven. <laughs> exactly, That's exactly. Didn't, what didn't I debut. At they told <laughs> they told me it would debut at six hundred. I'm blowing their minds. Yeah, yeah, blowing their minds right <laughs> now, dude. Uh, yeah, so you know, I mean. Yeah, all that happened, and I got a record deal. Yeah. I mean, Brendan Lynch uh, was just on Adam Devine's house party. Killed Uh it. Uh, But, I mean, I was on the same audition for that same show. You know, I saw Brendan kill it at the audition. I saw myself do okay. Brendan killed it. Yeah. He's the guy that got the fucking show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, This is having opportunities and making the most of it when you have it. And that's how you get places. And then you're one of those guys on TV or you're one of those guys making a record and then then someone like us is like wow that guy's so good yeah you know what I mean but here's the deal he was the same comic as he was two weeks ago it's just that it's, he just was on TV this yeah time. he just he, he worked hard enough long enough to be in a place where someone was like oh I'll take notice of that yeah, yeah he that got lucky guy. maybe a little bit but made most of his breaks yeah and then fuck killed it when he had the chance yeah and yeah. look now he's on TV yeah but you know a month ago he was still the same comic yeah <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> he was still that same guy who was like getting off of work and like, I need to go, but I know it's not going to be him. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to go to this open mic. There's going to be four people there. I'm going to bomb in front of my peers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's, but now he's on TV. Yeah. There he's is a great, a, he's a great comic 
both times. But it was like that, just the work. I do feel like there is this huge sense of futility that comes with this endeavor. Or pretty much, I feel like maybe any art endeavor where it is so personal Mm -hmm. and it is so about, like, it's supposed to be about the art, but you do feel like, I want to make something of this. Yeah, totally. And it feels useless that I'm trying. It does. Yeah. (laughs) It feels like I'm fucked. Yeah. I don't have a chance. Yeah. You know, and that's a horrible feeling. I fucking hit up Keith. Keith Old Jensen, I hit him up today, and I said, man, life seems meaningless. <laughs> that, was literally, that was literally the sentence I said. Yeah. And he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing's wrong. It's just like I, I, I just I'm was paying having attention. The, yeah, I was just, it just occurred to me again. But I think my theory, I think uh, that coolness that you're talking about where that admiration or exception or whatever you want to call it I think ultimately and I could be wrong but I think ultimately that comes from you being comfortable with you yeah that's Once what I'm yeah. you can wear you and be you know it's like okay I did this and seven out of ten people don't like it yeah. three out of ten people did like it but one of those three out of ten people that did like it was me yeah, and I and and I'm okay with it. I can wear that. I'll wear that badge wherever I go. Yeah, yeah. I think people recognize that. They sense it. They can feel the confidence. You know, and that's where the, the like in high school, the coolness when you can be because you know when you're in high school, you're you're younger and everybody's conscientious about you know who they are, their body, their perception, how they're being perceived by yeah, other yeah. students and all that other stuff. If you can get to the point, which probably most high schoolers never will. But if you can get to the point to where you can accept what you're doing and who you are for just that aspect and not try to get the approval from anyone else, that's when people kind of naturally gravitate towards you. That's my theory. I think you might be right because that's how it seems to work with with stand up. Yeah, because you know he's just being him. He's I mean he's amping it up, but he's just being him. Yeah, like when you notice someone who's really comfortable at Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't even seem like they're doing jokes. Exactly. It's just a conversation that he's having with a room full of people. And it's like when it's the ones where you can really you can hear the beats. When you can really hear the structure. Like that to me is like they're they're a little newer. They're still trying to figure out Right. They're still trying to But that that was one of the things that I learned when I started writing was uh, I would always try to write stuff that I thought the people would like. And oh. I don't know, at a certain point, I, I dropped that, and I just started writing the stuff that I liked. Uh-huh. And this is what I think's funny, and this is why. And it comes out more naturally. Yeah, it's more authentic. It's more me. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Versus, like, I mean, I could be, like, like say, for instance, I could write, write a joke about politics. Uh-huh. Dez doesn't give a shit about politics. He just doesn't. Yeah. But I could write one thinking that, okay, well, this is happening in the world right now. People will understand it. They'll be familiar with it. They might enjoy this. That would come from me writing what I thought other people wanted to hear. Really? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then and, and that, that joke might actually work. Yeah, but yeah, it's going to yeah. get to a certain point to where I'm, it's, that joke's going to lose its luster because I won't be able to put the emotion into it at a certain point because I never to me yeah yeah and you know just dig it it's i know it's great it's i was talking to actually uh my friend nick aragon who moved to la i know that nick aragon He's nick, cool yeah guy. nick aragon who i feel like he is another one who's like has uh like a sense of romance about comedy he just loves it so much like yeah. he'll be doing it till he's 40 years old no matter what happens like he loves going to he just loves it um and I was telling him how I just kind of got dumped by someone I was s- somewhat dating. And they, right. like, cited, like, a reason, like, for it. That, oh, and your comedy thing, it's just you're busy all the time. And it's a little overwhelming. Like, I had to meet a lot of your friends. And it was it was kind of overwhelming. And and basically, he was like, you're just too into it. It's You talk about it a lot. Like, yeah. it's a... And I was telling Nick about this. And he was like, well, you do talk about it too much. And I was like, why does it... And he was like, it's fine, Jamie. I love comedy too much. You know why? It's because you have nothing else. Another aspect of the podcast that gets gets noted is people tend to tell me things that they may not have told their friends. I don't know if it's the structure of how this is set up or really, uh, you know, 
just me as an interviewer. But people do have a tendency to kind of tell me things that a lot of people in their lives don't know. Uh, it's hard for me to know when they're doing that, but I do take note when someone tells me a story that I think is kind of interesting, kind of unique. Something that really changes the way I see that person forever. Um, and it is something that impacts me. Whenever I talk to somebody after one of our interviews, I do, whatever they said is always in the forefront of my head. Uh, just because it was an impactful moment for me to talk to that person for so long and the things that they said kind of stay right in the forefront. So these are some of the most interesting things people have told me in terms of their personal lives um, in regards to this podcast. Check it out. I don't know. You probably don't get this, but I feel like I'm a burden to people. When I'm around, like when yeah. I talk to people, like in, like in a person, like I like I'm afraid to contact people. Yeah, like most of the time, like you think they'll hate you or like yeah, why, or are, they, why like, are they talking to me? Yeah, or it's like even today when I was like I'm gonna text Jamie and ask where she lives so I can come do this thing, and I was like I don't I'm afraid she's gonna hate me. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I was like she and I had a, like she agreed to do it. Today's yeah. the day you yeah. check with her a couple days ago. She said it was cool. Yeah, and I was like. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, do I that's know. I think a lot of people have I don't think it's that weird to yeah. I'm kinda like that too, where I'm like, I don't wanna like bug people or bother them or I think that they hate me and think I don't really have any friends. Like maybe it's not normal. <laughs> like, I don't know. I find that more and more people have have said that, like they think that they're like putting somebody out just by like talking to them or something. Oh, yeah. Like I, I feel that way a little bit, too, and, like, don't know if I, like, even if there's, like, a circle of people talking, I'm like, can I go join that circle? Are they going to be like, why is she talking to us? Like, so I don't, I don't, I think it's a, I think it's an insecurity thing, and it's a comic thing, I've found, which is why really? I say, yeah, because, like, you're, like, one of a few people, I think, have said that, and I feel the same way about that, and I do think that it's, um, I was talking to somebody about this before about, was it you that I was talking to about this before about like hanging, like the people that I surround myself with, how everybody just has like anxiety and weird fucked up issues. (laughs) So that's like the new normal for me. Oh yeah. You were talking to me about that. Yeah. Like when you say that, I'm like, that's not that weird because I feel that way. And lots of people I talk to feel, but that's probably not true. Most people probably don't feel that way. They probably will just like go up to people and not think that they hate them. Like that—that that is a little weird. But for me, like that's when you say that, I'm like, that's not. I feel yeah, for like it's all my friends feel that way us too. And, for us in our world, like that's normal. Yeah, it's that's fairly normal. Like, which is why I think it is like a like comics are just like insecure people who are generally sort of fucked up. It's at least in my experience, I've found that a little bit. So. But then you're like, what's wrong with me? Because I fit in here, and everyone's fucked up, and I fit into like this little world of fucked up people. So am I fucked up? Or like, <laughs> no, like, by that logic, you'd be normal. Yeah. I'm the most normal one of everybody, right? Like, <laughs> like it's just a that's, fluke that these that's are what, my that's, friends. That's, that's, and what, I that's what we're going to do now. Like, hey, every normal person. <laughs> yeah. How like, are you guys? Yeah. We're all normal, right? Let's all be normal together. <laughs> it's a weird thing to want to just announce on the street yeah. corner while everyone's just looking hey, down. Hey, guys. <laughs> You know I'm normal, right? You know I'm normal. <laughs> Look at me. Dress normal, totally normal. Got a job. Very normal. Anyone else about that? So okay. why as well just talk about it here. Uh, do you ever... Do you rehearse shit in the car? Yeah. When you're driving? Oh, God, yeah. Nonstop. That's where most of my writing happens. In the car? Just yeah, like when you're just, driving and just talking drive, to yourself? Driving, talking Hand to motions and everything? Yeah, feel, I gotta feel how it sounds. I do that, too. I realized that, like, sometimes I'll pull up to a stoplight and I'll just be talking just, like, into it, just rehearsing. Yeah. It's just thoughts off the top of the dome or whatever. Uh, And I'll look over and someone will just be staring at me (laughs) from another car. And then what I do is horrible. I pretend like I'm on a speakerphone phone call. And I just, (laughs) I stop talking. And I just, like, I start nodding my head. I go, yep. Okay, and I mouth, and I say out loud, okay, bye. Yeah. And then just sit there. 
and do nothing until we pull away. And I'm like, I need approval from strangers I will never see again yeah. so much. I need that, them to know that's okay. That's yeah. great. That's like sociopath I have, behavior. I have the next level of that where if I'm walking down the street and I see someone handing out flyers yeah. or a homeless guy asking for money, yeah. I will pull out my phone. And I have a flip phone. Oh, and you'll flip it open, hold it to my ear, and pretend pretend I'm checking in with somebody. (laughs) And I I won't put the phone down until I say, okay, I will talk to you later, goodbye. That is so funny. Every time. It's like, I did that like on Monday. I was just, I walked out of the comedy spot for a second. (laughs) <laughs> and I realized I have no reason to be out here. Yeah. But I can't just go back in. No, you look Sorry. like a lunatic. So let's look like not a lunatic and answer a fake phone call, have a fake conversation. Just around like, yeah, this is sanity. This is what normal. <laughs> I was a very weird child. My mom was like really, she was one of those people that was like, you are the single greatest human being on earth and everybody loves you. And people who pretend like they don't love you, they're just jealous. Those, they, go, those girls are just jealous. And you, I believed it. You be, Really? <laughs> I really believed that I was special. Like just. Like in what way? Like you were like a rock star? Like I was just stuff? different and nobody could possibly understand. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. You were that kid. Yeah. <laughs> I was that kid. Did you have many friends? No, not yeah, a bit. That sounds about yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> did you always? Let me ask you this: Did you always feel like you were going to do really important, cool things when you were a kid? Never. Really? Never. No. I I was when we would play as a child. I would always be either a maid or a secretary, and those were given like I gave those jobs to myself. I was like, well, clearly that's going to be like the height of my career. Like I learned Microsoft or uh, DOS like really early because I was like, this is going to really help me. Yeah. Yeah. Being a secretary. Yeah. Like my and my great aspirations of menial labor. Oh, man. Yeah. I. I really that's that's what I thought was like the height. Like I could like live in somebody's like really big house and clean it. (laughs) 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 What's terrible is I'm super bad at cleaning. So. So it's good you did. It's yeah. good you didn't stick to that gender-based career path because yeah. that would have been a real disappointment on your quarterly review from the family. Yeah, it's like you guys want to play cops and robbers, and I'd be like, "Well, I'll play, uh, you know, maid of cop." I don't know if you know I used to throw up before and after each set. Really? Yeah, like it was really embarrassing. I had came, no idea. Yeah, it became a running joke. Like I used to. <laughs> I used to come, there was at the Boxing Donkey, I used to come out of the bathroom and go on stage. Wow. And then immediately go back to the bathroom and they would make jokes while I'm in the bathroom throwing up. And then that was the last night I did is I threw up before and then I never threw up after. That was, really? Yeah, no, Luna's night. That means something. I think maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not looking into it. Um, I'm just going to let that one sit. Okay, we'll let that wait. No one was there. And I was just like, so I kind of want to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) And the look on this lady's face was like, what the fuck? So they checked me in. About four hours later, they take, four or five hours later, they take my blood after my last drink. Right. And I didn't know this until after, like when I was in the psych ward, because I overheard the nurses talking They're They're like whispering to each other. They're like, yeah, she's on detox. Oh shit! And I was like detox, and I get up and I'm like, like detox for what? They're like alcohol. I'm like, there's no fucking way. Like, I was fine. Like, I was, I looked sober. Like, they're not supposed to give you a psych eval if you're intoxicated. But uh-huh. she thought I was sober, and like they checked me. Like it was fine. Everyone thought I was sober. So I get the report because I ended up being fifty two fifty, meaning they can keep you as long as they want. Oh okay. And then they gave me the report and. My blood alcohol was 0.37. That's like... For my size, too. Yeah. So you... From... Collectively from the night before and that day? Yeah, but they took my blood like five hours after my last drink. It wasn't like... I don't even want to know what it was. Probably like a couple hours before that. So you, you, you had enough alcohol in you to literally kill you? I went, I was, I had therapy and all, 
all my therapists and the doctors there were like, you should not be alive right now. There's no fucking way that you could have lived. Having drank that much. Having drank that much. And yeah, so that was a turning point in my life. (laughs) And why (laughs) I like why that's how. And um, I don't know. If I had to pick, if I had to pick the the moments on this podcast that uh, were the most interesting or the most significant to me, uh, and that's what we're going to wrap with, there's two episodes in particular that stand out. Uh, Episode 8 with Andrew Olette and episode 25 with Alice Rodriguez. Now, episode 8 was interesting for this reason, uh, Andrew Olette is in some ways, when I first started doing comedy, uh, when the first time I ever went on stage, uh, Andrew Olette was sort of the catalyst for it. I would say not in a major way, but definitely if he hadn't been there, I probably wouldn't have started when I did. And, uh, it really was a significant moment for me. And in the podcast, when I talk to him, I bring that up to him. And it's kind of this very strange reveal to the point that uh, Emma Haney, who is uh, someone I interviewed in episode 10, also she's a Liquor Lamp superfan, contacted me and said, you are the wizard of podcasting, which I tend to agree. Um, The other uh, thing with Ellis is uh, he kind of lays out what I think is probably the best definition for a professional comic I may have ever heard. Uh, and it's the kind of definition that even someone like me who a year in, I only care about the art aspect of it because I suck uh, relative to the pros. What he explained is kind of like the way I've started really thinking about how comedy and being a professional comic works. And it's actually a really good definition. Um, and those are the, the those two sections are my absolute favorites. So let's have a listen to those because uh, I think they're pretty neat. Check it out. This is going to sound dumb. You... As a human being, I didn't ever think I would meet you. What the fuck? Does Here's that what mean? I mean. When I was two years ago, before I moved out here, moved back here, I was toying with the idea of trying to be a comic, or if I really wanted to do that. And I read your article on Laughspin, and that actually made me feel like this is something I should really try to do because the way that you talked about it in that article really spoke to me about it being turning pain into something or turning anxiety into something and bringing it to people. There was something about that. And I, as I read it, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he seems to get it. And I, I remembered your name. And then when I moved back here and you were here, it fucking blew me away almost. Like I couldn't believe it. I didn't tell you at the time because it felt weird to tell you, but I feel like I should tell you that like part of the reason I really committed to wanting to do it I think is because I read that article you wrote. I didn't think I'd ever meet you because I didn't know, I didn't even know your name at the time. But when I met you and I was like, this is the guy who wrote the thing that, oh, that's kind of cool. And I just wanted, I don't know where to go with it. I just wanted to say, you know, thanks. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, That is all true. (laughs) That's true. That is 100% true. I remember I was, uh, I remember when I read it too, I was actually, I was teaching. I had a, a moment where I was teaching where I was like, I told my kids to talk about something. Like I had a bunch of 18 year olds, I was teaching literature. And while they were looking at stuff, I was looking at stuff on comedy because I was really not happy. And I was trying to figure out ways to fix what was wrong with what's inside. And I was, look- at, at that point, I was looking at Laugh Spin a lot. And this article, it was like the day it came out and when i read through it it like something about like it clicked with me like it made sense like i'd already kind of understood like this is sort of what i want to 
do, but it really helped galvanize, like, you should go, you should start working. I think after I read that article it was the first time I ever went to an open mic, actually. Wow. Like, not long after. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of speechless. That's, really? Yeah, that's pretty impactful. Yeah. That's, you waited a long time to drop that on a... I know, I did. You, you bit your tongue. I've written about it, actually. Have you my my dissertation thing, I've written about it. You wrote about the article. I wrote about, I wrote about the fact that I met you and that I got your dresser. You did? I did. I just, oh, finished, wow. I just wrote like half of it today and it was like easy, which is surprising because it's not supposed to be. It was an easy <laughs> thing to express. Well, I'm very flattered. That's, <laughs> no, I really, honestly, I'm very flattered. I... You know, because you write something out there. You know what you get more often uh, when you, when you write things is the the criticism. Yeah. You get, you get the critique. You don't get the. You know, you never get somebody coming up to you and saying, "Hey, man, that really um, was very very insightful. I really got something out of that." Yeah. To say that, you know, you you read that before you did your first open mic and it clicked with you is. Um, it's kind of beyond flattering. Thank you. Very m- thank you very much. That, that that's what that that's what I think is. I think like that's why like I've always when I and after I met you it even made more sense to me because I could see like in your style and the way that you perform, and in talking to you recently and like trying to understand you just as a person, it makes sense that that would click with me because there's something there is actually something to admire there. In your ability and the way you carry yourself. In spite of all, like, there's a lot of wreckage and garbage in there, sure. But there is... <laughs> wreckage and garbage. There is, there is something... <laughs> I feel like there is something behind that that's very, that's very real and is very well, it's all human very, and honest. It's, it's all very real. Yeah, so is yeah. the wreckage and the garbage. Yeah, it's all there. It's all that, there. <laughs> that's very there. Let's not, uh, let's not get... Like, uh, you know, it's... Um, you've seen people tend to flatter me. They I tend, have seen that. They tend to do that. They tend to be like, oh, you're a, a genius or whatever the fuck. They and it's just bullshit because I'm sitting here and honestly, you know, what what is inspiring is the fact that a person can write their feelings out their thoughts on something they're passionate about yeah. and reach out to another person and then end up sitting here talking to them yeah. again to maybe recreate that cycle. It's kind of incredible. It's kind bit. of incredible. Yeah. Recreate, create, achieve the impossible. Mm-hmm. What is this? This is amazing. Yeah. Do you know there's no reason that you should have read that? No, there isn't. There's no, There's nothing stopping the human potential from being realized but your inability or um, lack of wanting this art form really and is and, 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 yeah. and, and, and since we're just blathering on yeah um this is my definition of being a professional okay because i want people to refer to this fucking podcast <laughs> <clears throat> let's say i'm at a show yeah and i'm at the show with you and you are the what let's say you're the host right and i'm the feature and some somebody with a big huge name is and the show begins if i'm out front with a cigarette then you're a professional because it's not that I already know what the fuck you're going to say, but you know what I know is going to happen? That when I get up to do my job as the feature, that the show is going to be hype. The show is going to be up. Everybody's going to be laughing. Everybody knows exactly what the fuck is going to happen. I'm going to come up in right. Rip City. Right, I don't right. need to listen to your fucking set because I know you're going to be funny and you're going to hype the crowd because that is the fucking host's job. If you are not funny, then I'm in the back of the bar sipping on a Long Island watching you make mistakes so that I can figure out what I need to do to fix it. So if you step in a big hole and the hole you step in just happens to be racial, 
It's not that I can't be racial. It's just that I definitely don't want to start there. Because you've put them in a bad mood. And if I say anything racial, they're going to be sensitive. Right? And if you didn't have a good set, then I know I'm going to have to bring extra energy to let them know, hey, this is different. This is a different show. I'm going to have to overcome whatever the fuck it is that you did wrong. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And the comics who can have a good set is a lot. But the ones that do it consistently is what separates you from being a pro. Hmm. That's what that's what separates you. Now, so, if I'm the headliner. Yeah. And you got to do 30 minutes. And you, I will smoke a cigarette at the beginning of your set. But halfway through your set, I'm coming. Because I'm like, okay, he's done 15. What's he got left? And make sure you keep your momentum. And I'll tell you this. You ever hire me for a show? I'll host for anybody. Happy to do so. When I get off that stage, everybody's going to know all the announcements that they need to know. Right? They're going to be laughing their fucking ass off. And they're going to be rowdy and in a great mood. So that whoever I bring up next is going to be walking into somebody who just wants to be fucked. Yeah. Because that's my fucking job. Right, right. You hire me to be the feature. That's my job to stand up and be funny. Good Lord. Put your feet up. Light me when you're ready. When my when you're when I've earned my money, <laughs> just give me a light. I'm yeah. a monkey. When I close, give me a light. When my you want me to do forty five minutes, done. An hour, two, let's do this. Light me when it's time. I lo- I love to do it. And you can do whatever the fuck you want in between that time. You can sell food. You can sell drinks. You can drop checks. You can arrange for this. You can da 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 Whatever time it is you need for your enterprise to make money, I can do the time. I can distract them. I can keep them in a good mood. That's my job. Right. And you can do whatever the fuck you want. If you can't do that, then you're not a pro. And I work with guys where I'm like. They can't do that. Just do, just, yeah. yeah. And then I work with all the, all the guys I like. They do that. And I don't care if I like them or they like me. If they can do that, they're a professional comedian, and I love them. That's interesting. That's my deal. Can you do it every fucking time? Is anybody worried that if you put me on TV, I'm going to cuss? Is anybody worried that if you give me a certain amount of time, I'm not going to fill it? Is anybody worried that I can't follow someone? No one's worried about this. Yeah. They're like, if you put up Ellis, he's going to do that. Right, right. That's what I focus on. So you've kind of built up. So in your mind, I'm kind of just trying to. Put because to, you said a lot. I'm trying to put put together what you said into something. I ate a cookie right here. <laughs> I can tell you're kind of like up. <laughs> it sounds like for you, at some level, being a professional comic is is something like you're someone who other comics who who people who are who are also making money on this show. Because even if you're getting paid for a, for a gig, you're not the only one making money that night. No. The venue's making the money. The vendors no, yeah. are making the money. You're making money from merch. My sales, boss. All that. Yeah, your boss is making the money. The person who said, yeah. hey, if you can do this, I'll give you money. Right. I stay within those confines. I do the best I can do. So being a comic in a professional sense is being, I'm someone who others can trust in and believe in to perform and deliver. Mm-hmm. Not so much that, oh, I'm a professional because I had this gig one time, or I'm yep. a professional because I make this much yep. from comedy. For you, it's being a professional is, look, if if there are people who are relying on me being funny in order to make their livelihood, to make their business grow, to, to make, make this television grow, show, to make that show work, to make this tour work, to make whatever work, I can be that person. They can rely on me for the success of all of us, right. including not just the venue, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but even for the people who show up yeah. to have a good time. Yes. Like you're someone who can be trusted in. Yes. Not just that you're funny, but Every that time. you're reliable. Every time. Yeah. Every time. That's a good definition. Yeah. And yeah. to me, that makes you a pro. Yeah. And there's, it's hard. It, what's weird to me is like that definition is unique to me because it's the kind of definition that doesn't involve. It involves. E, it has some ego, but really the ego is yeah. based out of. I know I can help people. I, I know I can sports, be connected bro. with people. Yeah. I love sports. In my, I think they're the only people who have our job. Really? Who gives a fuck what you did last week? How many yards are you gonna put up this week? <laughs> are you gonna win the game? Yeah. This week. Like, we have to show up and perform, and it has to be good now. Right? Look, hey, I don't care. Some comics don't think about this. I had to, I had to, this happened to me. My mom fell into a coma. Right. Septic shock. Ooh. And I thought she was going to die. Like, I thought my mother was going to die. It was like the worst day ever. Yeah. 
and had to go to work. And it never occurred to me. You're going to have to work the day your mother dies. Huh. You're, you don't work at 7-Eleven. You're not a... You're not a a janitor. Yeah. You have to stand up and make people laugh on the day your child gets cancer. Yeah. On the day your dog gets hit by a bus. On that day, you have to make people laugh. Are you going to do it? You're going to That's have, a professional. Yeah. That, if you have to like you have to do it. That's a professional. Because you committed and you have to be that person. Because you yeah. yes. This is your job. This is your skill. This is what it is. That's a professional. Yeah. I was fucking hilarious that day, by the way. <laughs> the beast. Well, folks, that's the show for the day. I, I hope you dug it. I spent a lot of time digging through the archives of all the stuff I had. I kind of hope you like my selections. But if not, you know what? There's a full 26 episodes of the Liquor Lamp podcast available right now on iTunes. They're available on Stitcher. You can listen to them all you want. You can tweet at me at Bucky Gums, talk about particular moments that you liked, maybe stuff that you thought, eh, maybe I should have included that. Uh, or maybe things that you, <laughs> maybe things that you, people you wished I had talked to and haven't yet. Next week on the show, I'm talking to the very interesting Mark Berg. In the meantime, have a good one. I'm JoJo Lewis. Thanks for sticking around for six months. We'll talk for at least six more. 